Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, praise his name. Proclaim his salvation day after day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvellous deeds among all peoples. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and glory are in his sanctuary. Ascribe to the Lord, all you families of nations, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him, all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. The world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens rejoice. Let the earth be glad. Let the sea resound and all that is in it. Let the fields be jubilant and everything in them. Let all the trees of the forest sing for joy. Let all creation rejoice before the Lord, for he comes, he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in, in righteousness and the people in his faithfulness. Yes, boys and girls, kingdom kids and little explorers. Cheers, man. For that, let's turn around to the people next to us. One minute mingle. Say good day to someone you haven't normally talked to. Make sure. Tell them they're looking great. Well, friends, let me uh, ask you to find a seat again. Uh, it was. I've never heard of a one minute mingle before. That's a, I'm going to be remembering that one and use that. That's uh, that's good. Uh, One of the things that pastors do all the time is when they get to go visit other churches is pick up things. And I've been picking up things from your, um, your church all weekend, which has been awesome. I'll just write that down. Because <laughs> who knows, I might end up in another church somewhere and be sharing goods, the good news of Jesus. Um, as I said earlier, I come from the uh, northwest slopes and plains. And uh, the little town of Wee War, uh, less than 2,000 people now, uh, was where I first started as a country pastor. It wasn't where I grew up, but it was where I, I first started. Um, and around there, we had some awesome names. Uh, do you, Australian place names are fantastic, aren't they? Uh, I'm getting there. <laughs> they had, there were names that just sounded cool, like Galagambone. Which was like, oh, it just makes you want to go there, doesn't it? Uh, and, and there was Come By Chance, which you can't get to if you're trying deliberately, but if you just yeah, look the other way and end up there. Uh, and then there was, uh, my personal favourite was the Who'd Have Thought It Lookout. <laughs> yeah, it's a real place, just outside Corindai, and it really is on top of the most unimpressive looking hill. And when you get up there, you go... This is an awesome view. And you can see exactly why they called it that. Who'd have thought it? 
I am not joking. You can look it up and go and visit. It's awesome. Uh, but as I've been driving around the Riverina, I've noticed that you guys have got some fantastic names as well. Yeah, like Walla Walla. Ah, wouldn't you want to, to visit Walla Walla? It's, I could say Walla Walla all day. It's just great. Uh, and then there's Want a Badgery. Yeah, who wouldn't want one? Yeah, it's, it makes sense. Uh, and then the, my favourite one, uh, which is obviously named by the kids in the back of the car as you're travelling to Korowa, is How Long? <laughs> how long do we get there? I'm busting. Aussie place names are great and they're, they're, sometimes they're distinctive. They're always distinctive. They sometimes tell a story um, and sometimes they're just a bit of fun as well. Uh, but I wonder as I think about this and I drive around the, the country, I wonder what the ancients would have thought of our place names. If you'd lived in ancient Israel when Psalm 96 was written, what would you have thought of places like, well... Goombagna, or Rennie, or Sanger. I, I don't know, but Sanger is a great name for a main street because that's where your food is and you're immediately thinking about food as soon as you, you know, Sanger, oh, I feel like a Sanger. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry if I've just wrecked the name of your main street. Um, But did they, when they wrote Psalm 96, did they envisage a day when there would be people who would worship the Lord, the God of Israel, in these weird-sounding places, like Burrumbuttock? Like, would they have imagined that? Or did they think that the Lord, the God of Israel, was just for Israel? He was their God and he was no one else's. Well, Psalm 96 is a real correction to that second way of thinking, to thinking that God is just for Israel. Because Psalm 96 is all about the God of the nations. Um, if you look at verse, uh, verses 1 to 3 again, if you've got a Bible or it's going to come up on the screen behind me, I'm not used to all this technology. I was in smaller towns than you. Uh, if you look at there, you can see... The psalm starts with a fairly standard thing. It's a call to praise God. We kind of go, yes, that's a psalm. We're supposed to see that. Psalmist is calling his readers to praise God. Yes. But notice who he's calling on to praise God. In verse 1, you see, it's all the earth. In verse 3, it's among the nations. In verse 3, it also says, among all peoples. Everyone, everywhere, is to praise God. That is, to praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Not just Israel, but all the world is to praise the God of Israel. It's an extraordinarily outrageous call to make in the ancient world. Because the ancient world had gods for each of the nations. You had Babylonian gods over here, you had Egyptian gods over there, and the Egyptians worshipped them, and and, uh, Hittite gods over here, and they worshipped them. And, you know, we do the same thing today with our mascots, our national mascots. So Australia has in our sporting mascots, what's our sporting mascot? It's 
Yeah, thank you. The boxing kangaroo. America has the bald eagle. Uh, and the New Zealand has the hobbit. Um, <laughs> sorry, no, no, a kiwi. Which is why they got bundled out last night, because they only... It's not a ferocious animal, a kiwi, is it? No, so they got bundled out by Fiji. Um, and in a similar way, each nation in the ancient Near East had their national gods that they revered. But here, the psalmist does something really quite outrageous in that era and says that the Lord, the God of Israel, is for everyone. It's for all peoples. And everyone should be worshipping this God. It's an extraordinary claim to make today, isn't it? Because we live in a pluralistic society now. There'd be people here in Korah who worship other gods. And I'm not just talking about Islam or Hinduism, or, but there's also the gods of Aussie rules. And well, not that I'm knocking sport. I love my sport. I play it and I watch it. But it can be a god. You can turn anything into a god. Motor cars, headers, as long as they're green. <laughs> Just getting that out there. Uh, you can worship anything. You can turn anything into God. Even something really, really good like family. You can turn into a God. And yet God calls all of us to worship him alone. So how can the psalmist do this? How can the psalmist go and say, you people in Egypt, you people in Babylon, you should praise the Lord. How can he do that? Well, the psalmist gives good reason. He doesn't just make an assertion. He backs it up in verses 4 to 6. Have a look at verse 4. I'm going to read it again. For great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. He is to be feared above all gods. So the God of Israel is the greatest of gods. That's why you should praise him. He's the one who's worthy of the praise. And put simply, the other gods, well, they're also rants. They're like the guy in the movie who finishes second. When I was growing up, there was this I'm just showing you how old I am. There was this awesome movie out called Chariots of Fire. Who's seen Chariots of Fire? Yes. There's a few people going, a few of the young people saying, yeah, I saw that on History Channel. <laughs> um, it was an awesome thing. Who came second in the 100 metres? No one knows. We know that Eric Little won, wait, well, it was 200 metres, wasn't it? Eric Little won. He refused to run in the 100 metres because it was on Sunday and he wanted to be worshipping God instead and he comes first in the, but no one remembers who came second and that's what these gods are they're the ones who come second and third and fourth and fifth and sixth number one God is Israel's God he is the greatest and that begs the obvious question why is he the greatest okay well we answer is in verse 5 for all the gods of the nations are idols but the Lord made the heavens oh so here we see a comparison verse. 
And you can think of it like a title fight. In the blue corner are the gods of the nations. And the gods of nations here are described as idols. That is lumps of wood, metal, and stone. Okay, leather. <laughs> Let me see. I've been told you I was learning all this weekend from these guys. Let me just write that in there. Leather. Pen that works. Leather. Thank you. That's good. You always got to learn. Uh, <clears throat> the fascinating thing that you can't see in the English, but you can see in the Hebrew, is that the Hebrew word for idols is the same word as used for worthless. And when you think about it, they are worthless. They can't see, they can't hear, and crucially, they can't speak. They're just inanimate objects. That's all they are. It's like saying they're nothing. That's what's in the blue corner. In the red corner, though, is, well, the creator God of the universe. And not only did he make earth and everything in it, he made the heavens as well. All the heavenly host are his creations. Just think about that for a moment. Think about how big the universe is and how many stars there are And how many lifetimes it would take us to travel to, if there is an end, to where the end is. We don't even know that yet. And he made all of it. The God of Israel is super impressive. And that's why splendor and majesty and glory are his in verse 6. It's a bit of a no contest, really. It's like Pee Wee Herman up against the Hulk. Okay? There's a few younger folk going, who's Pee Wee Herman? There you go, okay. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Inanimate, worthless idols that can't speak or do anything versus the awesome creator of the universe, the Lord. So no wonder the psalmist calls on everyone to praise the Lord even those of other nations, even though that's not the way things were back then or are now. It wouldn't be politically correct in that era to do that. And he continues that call in verses 7 to 9. So 7 to 9, you see a lot of the same things in verses 1 to 3. You see again in 7 to 9. the nations are encouraged to take the Lord as their God too. And friends, we serve that same God that the psalmist served. Uh, And his call is relevant for all the nations today. We saw in our other reading in Matthew 28. We didn't read that, did we? Let me remind you of Matthew 28. I did say it's ending in two readings. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. If you're looking for it, you just go to a mark in your Bible and go back one chapter. You can tell I have four children, can't you? 
Uh, in verse 18, Jesus says these words, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I know so many of you know it. It's a great passage. And that key thing that we saw there that I kind of emphasized I was reading was that it was you had to go to all the nations. The same thing we saw in 96 we see in Matthew 28. It's, it's almost like the same author would written it both. Amazing. And that was as countercultural in Jesus' time as it was in the psalmist's time as it is today. In Jesus' time, the people of Israel were only interested in Israel and getting rid of Romans. And not much else. But Jesus is not just a Jewish saviour. And the other cultures don't have a saviour to bring them to God. No, no, no. Jesus is that saviour for them as well. And that means all people everywhere are saved through Jesus and need to be saved through Jesus. And the Christians of yesteryear knew this. Which is why they carried the good news of Jesus to faraway places like Dunny Doo and Windamella. I probably said that wrong. And Korowa. At some point, someone decided that the people of Korowa needed to hear the good news of Jesus. Or else they would die in their sin and be lost and perish. You see, we believe in Jesus because someone brought the good news of Jesus to us. And said, read it for yourself. It's good news. And we read and we had faith in Jesus and we stepped from death to life. But of course our mission is not completed yet, is it? There are still people who don't yet understand that Jesus died on the cross for them and that they can have peace with the God of heaven through Jesus, through trusting him. And some of those people are in Korowa and its district. And so, friends, let's renew our efforts to share with them the good news of Jesus. I understand you've been doing that by walking across rooms, which is a good thing to do. Let me encourage you to keep doing that. But let me encourage you also to be faithful in prayer for the lost in Korowa. Someone once told me it's good to pray for three people. You pray for two people you know, you write their name down, you pray for them, and then you pray for someone I have not yet met or someone who I don't even know. And you're praying like that, and as you're doing that, guess what? You're looking out for opportunities 
to meet those people and have those conversations. And friends, let's invite people. I'm an introvert. And I still get nervous every time I have to do something like this. And it's hard for me to talk to people about Jesus, even though I'm a pastor. Something compels me to do so, but that's another story. But everyone can invite. So I see you got something here. These are not for you. They're for a friend. Pray, God, please give me an opportunity to invite Bob, Gertrude, Alfred, Ethel, or anyone else. You know an Ethel. That's good. I thought that name was dying out. Pray, invite. And then there's another thing. When they come in through those doors and they've come in because of your invitation or someone else's, welcome them. Nothing's more scary than walking to a room where you're not quite sure what to do or where to go. Okay? That's one of the reasons why I never go to nightclubs. <laughs> I, I don't know how to dance. My kids tell me that too. Uh, and I don't know what to do. What do I, well, there are other reasons as well. But that's one of the reasons why I don't go to nightclubs. And it's like that for them in, as they walk in the door here sometimes. Where do I sit? What do I do? I don't know anyone. And it's really intimidating. Be the one to notice them to reach out and welcome them in. And then as you do that, you're playing your part and they'll hang around here long enough to hear the good news of Jesus as your pastors teach it and as their youth leaders teach it. And you go, oh, I played my part and it, praise God, Cecil's become a Christian. You know Cecil too, great. But you know, that's Korowa. There are other places in the world other than Korowa where people need to hear the good news of Jesus. And we can't all go and be missionaries, but we can all play our part by supporting missionaries. I love a crowded missions board. That's awesome, guys. It's just so encouraging to see you are already supporting missions. Because there are places that are a long way from us that need to hear about Jesus. Places like Mpanda in Tanzania or Tacna in Peru or Dagupan City in the Philippines. So let's pray for those mishos because it's hard out there on your own. And let's pray for those whom they're speaking to, that God would open their hearts and minds to the good news of Jesus. The only news that can save them. Let's give from the abundant wealth that God has blessed us with in this land so that those missionaries can share the good news of Jesus. You keep them in the field with your dollars. 
And it's such an important role. And let's write so that the missionaries are encouraged to stay there. And friends, we need to be about this with a sense of urgency. When I was young and foolish, I joined the reserves. <laughs> I was only 19 at the time, uh, just like the song. And I joined up, and they sent me to this place reasonably close to here called Kapuka. And the corporal used to say to, me, say to all of us, sense of urgency, sense of urgency. And so we were hurried to the next thing. After one week, I had five minutes to write a letter. I wrote, dear mum and dad, I'm okay. Love, Paul. And they got the letter and went, man, he's really doing tough. <laughs> we'll pray harder for Paul. <laughs> but it's important to have a sense of urgency about things that matter. And in verses 10 to 13 of Psalm 96, we're told to something that should give us a real sense of urgency about this mission. Because we see that God is not just coming to save, he's also coming to judge. He's the judge of the nations as well. Uh, and we'll pick up in verse 13, which kind of says it lots. Verse 13, they will sing before the Lord for he comes. He comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his truth. So God is going to judge the nations with justice. Uh, and that's great news because those who commit massacres and do awful things will be brought before the judge of the whole earth. Finally, there's going to be justice in this world. And those who reject the message of Jesus will be brought before the judge of the nations who mock Jesus. God will finally provide justice. And even if someone manages to escape earthly justice in this life, when they stand before God, then they will be judged. And when it is done, everyone will acknowledge that justice has happened. And that's something to rejoice in and also give us a sense of urgency. Because there's a clock ticking down to an alarm. Something that we call Judgment Day, which is a concept we get from Acts 17.31. God has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he's given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. That's where we get the idea of a Judgment Day from. And so, we have a certain amount of shrinking time until everyone stands before God and justice is done. That is the time of mercy. The time for them to hear the good news of Jesus, to believe in Jesus and to be forgiven, just like we're forgiven. So friends, let me encourage you, while there's time left, we ought to be active in the mission so that they can hear about Jesus, believe in Jesus, and be saved by Jesus. Now let me pause for a moment, because sometimes 
in sermons, you get to the end and everyone goes, that was a great sermon, and, you, and then they go home and nothing changes. I won't ask for raising your hands, who's ever done that? Because it's kind of, I mean, we all do. And it's very hard. So take a moment now and think about one way in which you can be more involved in the mission of God here in Korowa and around the world. Take a moment. Could be prayer, could be giving, could be inviting, could be welcoming, could be writing. Have a think. Now, friends, here's the trick that I often use with myself. If I tell someone I'm going to do something, it increases the chances that I'll actually do it. It doesn't always work out, but it increases the chances I'll do it. So let me encourage you to find someone at some point today, it doesn't have to be right now, and tell them, this is the thing that I'm going to do to be more involved in the mission of God. doesn't have to be a big thing, but I'm going to be a little bit more involved. Because it's a way of committing ourselves to actual action in a world in which there are so many competing things for our time and attention. Let's commit ourselves to being faithful in this great mission the mission of the God of the nations. Because he is the God for everyone. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We thank you that you are the God of the nations. You're not just the God of Israel or the God of the Middle East, but you're the God of everywhere. And you made the heavens. We pray, Heavenly Father, that we would praise you and worship you for who you are. And that having trusted in your Son, Jesus, ourselves, and being forgiven, we would share the great news of Jesus with others, playing our part in your mission so that others can be forgiven and come to faith and salvation in Jesus. And we pray, Heavenly Father, that you would mould us by your Holy Spirit and give us a deep sense of urgency in your mission. And we pray that in time we would see thousands and thousands of people enter your kingdom because you have used us to reach them. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen.